0: Listen, that new video made me want to dance a little bit, hold up, not y'all getting the funky music in church today, I feel it. Anyways, my name is Tay, like Mark said, I'm the spiritual development coach here at Exchange, and basically all that means is I am the person you can come to if you want some growth, right? If you are like, Tay, I don't know what this thing is, um, I don't know how to find this thing, God says I can have peace, where is that at? Is that somewhere in the Bible? I can answer those kind of questions for you. I can be like, yeah, dude, let me tell you where to find that. Let me tell you how to get that. So, you know, if you ever have any questions about anything, I am always around. So come and see me. So like Mark said, this is the second week of our Purpose series, and um, he kicked it off last week and answering that question, what is our purpose? And this week, the question is, what are you created for? We are moving along in the book that we're all going through together, and if you're as to what book that I'm speaking about. It's called The Purpose Driven Life, and I suggest that you grab yourself a copy. Um, it is 40 days that you'll find out what your purpose is. It takes you through what we're talking through, but in much more depth, you know, because it's like a 200-page book, and we can only cover so many things in a couple of weeks. So I would totally take a picture of that, grab yourself a copy, grab a couple of buddies, and go through it together. So this book will give you a place to start, you know, when it it comes to asking the question like, what on earth am I here for? That's a big question. I know a lot of us in our age group are asking that question, right? We're like, um, I'm an adult now. That's weird. Now what am I supposed to be doing? So I totally recommend grabbing that. So if this is your first time to exchange, I just want to welcome you personally again. Can we give it up for our first timers? Yeah, we are a big family around here. And hopefully when you think of family, right, you're not cringing. and like, oh, I hate family. I don't want to be a part of that. Hopefully you have positive connotations when it comes to family. But I know that there are some people who don't. I know that lots of people cringe when they think about family. They're like, oh, family makes me think of that one aunt I had that spends all her money on shoes and she doesn't you know, come to any of my birthday parties, but she always got new shoes. Or that cousin who comes over and every time they got something to say about what I'm wearing or what I'm posting or anything like that and I can't stand them. Or my brother that I don't get along with. Or my sister who annoys me. Like people think about family and they might, you know, they might tense up a little bit. And I think every single one of us in the room has got at least one wacky family member, you know? Like, and you just learn to love them from a distance. You know, like I can love you over there. So, I love my family, and I come from a pretty big family, as, I mean, I I guess from the American standard, because there's eight of us in my household, and I think we got a picture of my family, that's us, so it's me, I'm the oldest child, and then my youngest brother Trey is nine. My parents have been married for 25 years, so there's me, yeah, I know, right? Go then. Because in that 25 years, they've had to, you know, be married and figure all married out and then raise us six crazies. So there's me and then next is Bryant, then my sister Lauren, then Imewa, Ariana, and Trey. And when I lived at home, it was always a party, Like, if you if you followed me on social media when I lived at home, we constantly had what we called Club Beecham going on. And Club Beecham was always, like, some crazy stuff. We were either doing karaoke or we were having a paint party or a chili cook-off. And, you know, we're all pretty active. Like, as well as being at home and being active, we're pretty active in our communities, right? Um, right now, we don't spend as much time together because... I live here. I got married, you know, had to move out, you know, so I don't spend as much time with them anymore. They live all the way in Pasco. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny when I walk around in my everyday life and it's something that all of my family members experience because there's so many of us. People don't realize that we're connected. There's this phenomenon called, you're a Beecham? It happens to all of us all the time. They'll 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 meet one or two of my family members and they'll go, "Oh, I know Ro, My mom's a campus coordinator at the Temple Terrace campus. I know Ro, She's so cool. She's so nice. You're her daughter. Oh, that makes sense. Now that I think about it, you guys kind of look alike. Or, oh, I know Brian. Brian is so goofy. Love Brian. He's so cool. Some I see people nodding. See, that's Brian's reputation. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, now that I think about it, like y'all kind of act alike, you know? <laughs> and, or the one I really, really can't escape is my sister Lauren. Like Lauren and I look alike, we sound alike. I have called LA Fitness before, trying to get something fixed on my membership. And I was like, hey dude, I have a problem with my membership, can you check this? And I didn't tell him my name or anything. He was like, do you have a sister named Lauren? I was like, why do you know that? He's like, you guys sound exactly the same. Like, even if I didn't want to claim them, like, I don't have a choice. I I don't. It's like, but that's the thing about being family. Once you become family, you have the same mannerisms. You can't shake it, you start to look like the people you're in family with. You start, people start recognizing, oh, you're part of that family. And so, even though there's eight of us and we're pretty close, like, that is not the only, like, it's, it's not only my family that shares that kind of characteristics. And whether you know it or not, there's actually a family you are called to be a part of, where you get new brothers and sisters, and once you become part of it, long enough, you you be in it long enough, you start looking and acting like the people in this family. So I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is a big story of God building a family, to love him, to honor him, to get the family inheritance, which is reigning with him forever, which is pretty great, And when we place our faith in Christ, he becomes our father. He would be the head, the start of our family. So he's a father kind of, not kind of, very different than our earthly fathers. I know that some of us, when we think of fathers, we might think of, you know, someone who doesn't make us feel good. You know, our earthly father may have not even been around. Our earthly father might have characteristics that we would not want God to have because there would be no grace, there would be no mercy, only punishment. You know? So God is our father who, he didn't need us, but he wanted us. He created us. To be a part of his family. And God's spiritual family lasts forever. And his children get the inheritance, right? We talked about being able to reign with him forever, but there's more inheritance that they get. God transforms us into new creations, so you get to let go of hurts and pains. You get to leave it at the cross with him. God gives you healing. He has so much more, and he wants to provide for you. Like we were singing Jaira just now, right? Jaira means God our provider. It's really popular because it's true. God is the provider, and he wants to provide for you. And it's the kind of thing you only get when you're a part of God's family. So Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and in it, it gave him great pleasure. So why did God create us? What are we created for? God created you on purpose for the purpose of being in his family. The Bible tells us that God knew us before we were in our mother's wombs. And while everyone was created by God, not everyone chooses to receive the gift of being God's child. There's a difference between being created and belonging. You can only become God's child through faith. I'm sorry, there's no fast pass. There's no other way. Faith is the only way you can get there. Galatians 3.6 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So once you become a child of God, and you develop a relationship with Him, you can join the family, and then you start to transform. That's like the little path to transformation. So... When you read God's Word, you might be able to see how God really wants you to live, like what he wants his family members to look like. Like I said, my family members, we all act the same, and it was like stuff my parents taught us, also things they didn't teach us, things we just observed, but that's also how we learn from God's Word, right? We learn by looking at other mature Christians. We learn by reading his Word. His Word tells us things like we shouldn't be anxious, His word tells us things like he will give us peace that surpasses all understanding if we ask for it. His word says he doesn't condemn us. And his word says that we are members of his family and that he loves us so much that he gave his son to save us. So the inheritance is more than just what you're going to get in the afterlife, but it's something that you can receive right now. So we're about to learn what it looks like to be a child of God right through the words he's given us. So if you're confused, like what what does being a child look like? You have to open God's word. So I've been talking a lot about family and maybe you're like in your chair being like, okay, really like why? I understand what the family concept is, but why do I have to be a part of God's family? Can't I just love God in my room by myself? The answer is like yes and no at the same time. In the book, Pastor Rick Warren says that your relationship with God is supposed to be personal, but not private. So that, what a public relationship with God does not look like just throwing a verse on your Instagram bio, or putting Jesus with like a cross next to it, and calling it a day like, oh, see, I'm not a closet Christian. I put a verse on my, my, my thing. That doesn't count. God wants us to have a personal growing relationship with him. One that's not performative, one that grows deep. Love is what he desires from us. Love, not work, not living like a good person, not doing good things, not just following the rules. It's love. And I think that Christians can confuse that, right? Christians want to, I mean, it's Christians of the world, right? It, I mean, we're all very imperfect people, and we like to add stuff to it, but it's just love. Simultaneously, he wants you to be able to share in his love with other believers, and both are important for growing a healthy relationship. Jesus, in all of his infinite wisdom, summed up the entire scriptures in the command to love God and love others. God didn't create us to be isolated. He created us with the desire to be known and to be loved, and he even tells us that in his word. In Genesis 2, 18, the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So God created Eve so that Adam could have help. Help going through life, help dealing with the difficult things, help rejoicing when something great happened, help when he, he needed the shoulder to lean on, help to bring forward God's kingdom here on earth. So God created us for community. To be able to lean on each other, we should be able to be doing the same things, leaning on each other, praying for each other, coming alongside each other. I think a lot of us have felt the feelings of, uh, felt the effects of what it's like to be disconnected from God's family. And a lot of us know that feeling as loneliness. Loneliness is an epidemic. And I'm not immune either to the feeling of loneliness. But I know there's a couple people in the room tonight who can really relate to me. Like, maybe you go to home at night and I've definitely been here. I've been here where you're at, it's nighttime and you're in your bed and for some reason it always happens when the sun goes down. But you hear voices in your head saying, you know what, nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I don't even know why I'm here. Maybe you've gone as far as to say maybe I was a mistake. Maybe I don't need to be here. Maybe my parents think that I'd be better off if I was not here. But I'm here to tell you that today, that is a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell and I want you to come up out of that lie because you were created on purpose for a purpose. You have more. You have more. God has more for you. God created you. Created. He didn't slap it together. He didn't accidentally roll over one day, and there, there you were. He created you. Even if your own family makes you feel that you were an accident, you weren't. If that's you, you need to reach out. You need a family. That, that feeling sits inside of us because God created it. He knows that we need it. Even today, vulnerability is something that I personally struggle with, right? I told you guys that, like, I'm the oldest child, and so I felt like I had a lot of responsibilities. Like, I always felt like maybe I don't need to share my feelings with anybody else because I don't want to burden them. Or it's just better if I keep it to myself because, you know, I'll, I'll look weird. I'm the only one who goes through this, but it's not true. Like, I really started feeling like I had a family when I started a small group last semester with some of the leaders. And I was going through something, and I was like, man, I literally can't get this to myself or I'm going to explode. So I called one of the girls, um, and she's amazing. You guys know her as Caitlin, our wonderful small groups coach. Yes, Caitlin's amazing. And Caitlin was able to pray and walk me through that. She is my spiritual sister in Christ that I know I can lean on whenever I have problems whenever I have issues but it took me a while to get to that place where I felt like I could let go of my pride and just let somebody in. So if that's you, if you got a vulnerability problem, I'm right here with you. We share that. But regardless, if it comes natural to you, just because it comes natural to you doesn't mean that it is for you. That's something that we have to step out of. So honestly, I don't believe there's a single person on the planet who feels, like, better being lonely. Like, there's a difference between liking solitude and, like, being an introvert and, like, liking your alone time and being lonely. Like, there is actual scientific studies that says loneliness takes years off of people's lives. There's, I'm, I'm studying to be a dietitian, and so I do a lot of these, like, deep dives into learning about random stuff, like, longevity was something I stumbled across. And so there's, like, this organization called the Blue Zones, and they, scup- they discover places in the world where people live to be 100 or older. And there's a place specifically in Okinawa, Japan, where the women there have a 40% more like average to live to 100 than pretty much everywhere else in the world. And one thing that the Okinawans pride themselves in, this is one reason that scientists hail them for living so long, is because they are a part of a tight-knit community. They have purpose. They wake up even at 100 years old going, I know people need me. I have family. I have responsibilities. So I'm, I've got to continue on in this life. There, there's so much more for us. And God in his wisdom, he knew that it wasn't good for us to be alone, which is why we crave to join a family also known as the body of Christ. Christ, the, the church is a body, right? It's not just like a building we walk into. It's a body, and it's not, it's not just an organization we have to join. It's an organism. Ephesians four fourteen to 16 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. This is like when we join the, the church family. That's why they're saying then. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. For verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing in love. Being a member of the body of Christ means you are created to be with the rest of the body. How strange would it be if we just had a big toe, like, hanging out over there by itself— not connected to the body, you'd be all imbalanced. I don't know if y'all know, but you need your big toes to walk, okay? Like, it's a very important part of the body, even though I feel like he doesn't get enough credit, but you know, the big toe is important. Or like, you're just missing one of your limbs, like your arm is just like strewn about. It's a paperweight. It's not good for lifting. It's not good for grabbing. It's not good for anything. So as a part of the body of Christ, it's important that you become a part of your family, Because the body needs you. It's not just that you need the body, but the body needs you to do your job. And there's this, I learned this in biology last semester, that cancer cells become cancer cells because they stop getting signals from the body. Like, they just go off and they're like, I'm free! And then they do whatever they want and they make more cancer cells. So cancer cell might feel like it's free, I'm not attached to the body, I don't have rules, I do what I want, but it's doing the wrong thing. It's doing what it was not created for. So (laughs) you have to be a part of the body. The body of Christ needs you. God created you with a special blend of talents, of of gifts, and and this is the place where you find out how to use those, and you find out what those are. You can grow and develop spiritually. The church is not a museum for good people. It is a hospital for the broken. So if you're a broken part of the body, we still need you. We still need you before you're perfect. So not only do you need your church family, but your family of believers needs you. Need you to be active. I was talking about toes and things being destroyed outside of your body. Now, if we throw it back on your body, we throw your arm back on your body, but it it just hangs. It's not being active. Useless. It's not. You might as well cut it off. It's not even doing anything. So as a part of the body, you also have to be active. So... You might wonder what does it mean to be an active member of Christ? What does it look like to biblically be a member of a church? Well the first step is to join a church family. Join a body of believers who come together for the reading of God's Word on a regular basis. It's not enough to just go on Christmas and Easter You got to come on a regular basis. You have to get into the habit of attending regularly so the word of God seeps into you and then you begin to transform. The transformation doesn't happen like one day. It's not like I received Christ and then poof, you're like new. I wish. That'd be so cool. Anybody play Animal Crossing and they like backflipped and they had a whole new outfit? Like I wish that was how that worked. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Anyways, um, but it's not how that works. You have to go to church. You have to go and see the body of believers on a weekly basis. You can't develop relationships that are deep without regularly being together. Anyone who has a best friend or is married or has dating knows this principle already. You can't just see your significant other or your bestie once a year, twice a year, and then expect your relationship to like just magically flow. You got to go regularly. The second step is to join in fellowship with other believers. So if you come to church and you don't speak to anybody, You sneak in, you sneak out, you're not being active. Do you know the people in your church? Do you know their lives? Do you know their struggles? Do you pray with them? Do you fast with them? Do you come together in their struggle? If not, you're not actually participating in church the way it was intended. The book says it's easy to think you're mature if there's no one around to challenge you. You are the smartest person in the room if you're the only one in the room. You have to join in with other people so that you can be challenged and you can grow. There are so many ways to get connected into a church family. Like, small groups are a really big one. So we start, we start small groups here at Exchange in a couple weeks, and it's going to be awesome. Yep, a couple people are excited. Yes, and like I said, yes, and that's, that's like I said, like, that's where I found my true family is joining a small group. And that's where we go together deeper and we talk about God's word and and how we apply it to our lives. Not just how it's coming from the stage, but how it actually applies to our lives. And I hear hear the cringe happening right now from the introverts in the room. Yeah, you hear that uncomfortable laughter? That was the introverts. (laughs) And I know that it might not come easy to you. I know it might not come easy to you to join God's family because you have to go out and be social, but unfortunately God didn't call us to be comfortable. He called us to be a family. So other than exchange, we've got so many different ways at Grace that you can be connected. There's Beautiful. Beautiful Conference is coming up. Anybody going to Beautiful Conference? Yeah. Yes. I am so excited for Beautiful Conference. It's my first one. I can't wait. So there's Beautiful. That's for all the women in the room. We have Courageous. Any men who go to Courageous? Yeah? A couple? We got a couple. All right. We got we to gotta work on that. That's another way to get involved. Um, there is... A, there's a leadership training it's called next level leadership there's freedom there's celebrate recovery there is single moms group if you have a child and you want to meet some other single moms literally there are so many ways to get connected in community that you shouldn't really have an excuse to like oh, I can't find family it's literally all over the place you just have to put yourself in the right situation The third step is to pour into other believers and make disciples. So if you're a more mature believer, right, you've you've been doing this Jesus thing for a while, this isn't new to you, it might be time for you to step into a new role. Have you ever thought about taking someone through, like, a book of the Bible? Like, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. A lot of people think this, like, I have to be a pastor to teach somebody, like, the Bible. It's not true. People just getting together and talking about God's Word and talking about how they've been transformed, that's what changes lives is one-on-one connection with people. Maybe take your favorite book of the Bible. My personal favorite is Esther. Pastor Hal, he always tells people to start in John. So I mean, if you want some recommendations, those are good places to start. Maybe ask somebody, hey, you wanna go grab some coffee or a smoothie or any food item because who doesn't love food? And get together and talk about Jesus. Take the initiative, take the initiative to ask someone. And maybe you're feeling a tug. I was talking about small groups. Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I would love to be a small group leader. The challenge is for you to go and show others how to love, to go deep with them, to get into their messiness with them. It's not about getting numbers. And I know that I used to think this as a small group leader, that it was about having the biggest group. It was about having the illest group. It was not even about that. It's about having a group that's tight-knit, who has community together. Jesus only had 12. Jesus could have had a lot bigger group. He selectively chose twelve because he knew that there was only so deep you can go with so many people. So in his example, it's important for us to go deeper with a couple people than go really wide and really shallow. So maybe you're new to this family thing. But you still have a responsibility. Don't think you got off the hook. You thought you thought you got off the hook. You didn't. Sorry! Um, every family has an array of ages, like you saw the picture of my family. There's a 15-year spread between me and my youngest brother, Trey. Trey's nine, but I don't expect him to be nine forever. I expect him to grow physically, spiritually, mentally. It would be really weird if he just stayed nine. I'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? The same goes for the believers in the, in the room. If you know the same three verses you knew when you were 12, you haven't grown. You're still spiritually three. It's time for us to grow. We gotta learn a couple more. Spiritual growth does not happen by accident. As a new believer, you have to find a way to learn and develop and grow and be strong so that when you are rooted and the winds of life come blowing that you don't move. So I have a question for y'all, I have a question for y'all. Are you a member of God's family? We had, I've talked about so many benefits, so many reasons why you need to be a member, but if you're not a member, you can't experience any of this. You can't experience how wonderful it is to have spiritual brothers and sisters that you can call crying in the middle of the night when when the devil is whispering lies to you that you aren't beautiful that you aren't pretty that you aren't enough or that you're not gonna be enough that your job isn't enough that you are garbage you have to be in a family to be able to walk through that so I know that this might be new ideas to some of you and you're wondering how you become a child of God because I said just because you're created doesn't mean that you're a child Well, the way that you become a child of God is by faith. In Romans 3, 23, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners and we have all missed the mark. If you don't know what sin is, I know it's a word that gets thrown around in church a lot. It's it's us missing the mark. It's God creating us to be his family and us constantly doing things to get kicked out. But God sent Jesus so that we could remain in fellowship with him. He sent his son to die on the cross for us, so that we could be redeemed. Jesus was hung, hanging up on a cross with a crown on his eyes for the things that we should not have seen, nails in his hands for the things that we should not have touched, and nails in his feet for the places that we've gone that we had no place being. We had no business being. And that could have been you. That could have been me, we could have been hanging up on that cross, but God paid that debt for us so we didn't have to, so that we could be a part of his family, that we could be transformed, that we could be new creations. So if you're not a part of this family, I urge you to become a part of the family because there's more, there's more than just rules. There's more than just church checking off the box on Sundays. There's life, there's family. There's purpose. So I want to invite everybody to close their eyes right now. You're not going to get transported to any place. This is just so that you can focus. Romans 10, 9 to 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died for us and he was raised from the dead, that we can have everlasting life with him. And we will be saved from having to pay our own debts And right now, with everybody's eyes closed, I want to invite anyone who would like to make that decision to follow Jesus to join his family today into their hearts. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if this is you, I want you to say it in your seat. You can just repeat after me. You say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that there is no way that I can pay for the wrongs I've done. I believe you sent your son to pay for my wrongs and sins I want to walk away from sin and into your love and become a part of your family thank you for forgiving me and showing me how to live for you in Jesus name one one more thing I want to add for the person who's just been here who's just been coming I want to pray for you that God will show you your next step. So if you, if you feel like you've been a little stagnant right now in your seat, I want you to say, God, I know that I've been coming and I've been eating, but I haven't been giving. So God, I pray that you show me what I need to do, what gifts you have given me for your family. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys.